0: All right, welcome into episode 25 of the Greatest People You've Never Met podcast. Today's guest, Hallie Ammon, uh, joining us from Martin County, Minnesota. Hallie, how are you doing? Good. How are
1: you guys doing? Uh,
0: we're doing good. Thank you so much for joining us. a pleasure to have you on here. Doing a lot of exciting stuff in life. It's been cool to to watch you from fifteen hundred miles away. How how I guess give everybody a brief intro of yourself.
1: Yeah, so I live here in Martin County with my husband, where we farm with my dad. Um, I'm a sixth generation cattle farmer, so I'm yeah, six generations in. I'm the first female of those um, to be in line if you'd say for taking over yeah. the family farm and so that's really cool i i used to never say it like that and then i just really honed in on that something special and unique and have really decided to to really share it yeah and be proud of it absolutely <laughs> and
0: to own it and i think that's one of the reasons i, I want i reached out and wanted to have you on is it it's so cool to me when you know and i've had a lot of people that have done it but take their passions and turn it into careers and I mean, you're just really kind of blowing up in the ag world and especially in the women of ag world. So uh, I guess a couple of things I want to touch on uh, and as we will bounce back to the family farm, but 2022 woman of ag, that's pretty incredible. I mean, what yeah. was what was that like? I mean, tell us a little bit about that award and, and what went into that. And was it a complete shock to you? I'm sure there's a lot of other deserving women, but here we are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it was the first year they did it. Um, Women of the West decided to put on this big uh, show and broadcast for 25 different categories of women, and really showcase those women across the US. So I applied had to have references, they had a whole panel of judges, and then come find out the week of it. They announced it on Instagram for each category. And there was over 500 applicants. Never would have dreamed that I'd be winning that, um, division, but it was really cool and really humbling. And it made me feel good that I was doing what I thought I should be doing. I mean, it just really makes you feel good. Like, okay, everything I've been doing is the stars are aligning and it's like your, your work's paying off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, women of the West, is that like just the Western half of the United States or what's that region look like?
1: Yeah, so it could be all 50 states. It's based out of Texas is okay. where the woman who started the um, event, she's based out of Texas. But it could be for any 50 states. Um, she just kind of came up with that that tagline sure. and said, if you apply to one of these categories, uh, go ahead, throw in an application, and and the judges will have final, final say.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, how many categories were there? Do you know there's there was 25,
1: but really only I applied to like three or four because they do get kind of Western ish. I mean, like horseback riding and all of that
0: so yeah yeah, absolutely so um I mean that's an incredible thing I think uh, you know it's just you can tell it's your passion and if anybody follows you on your stuff I mean all you'll see is essentially cattle you know and that's like I mean but that's cool you know that's that's what you're passionate about and that's what you love so when did you kind of I mean was it something always growing up? Like this is, if you went back, I guess, to 15 year old yourself, is this where you thought you'd see yourself doing exactly what you want to be doing or is this completely different?
1: No way. I feel like 15 year old me didn't even know where she was going to go to college. You know, you're in high school and you've got 50 people asking like, what are you going to go do for the rest of your life? What school are you going to? And it's like, God, I don't even know what I'm going to do for a job this summer part time, you know. (laughs) And I think if I could give 15 year old me any advice, it'd be just to like chin up. Like I just keep going and ignore ignore the haters, you know, haters going to hate. And I feel like when you're in high school you're so focused on other people's opinions and like impressing others and whether that be your peers or family or even like the older kids right you're so worried about what they're gonna think and you're not really focused on your own dreams right um yeah I am super proud of where I am today but it's not where I thought I'd be I, I mean it's definitely better I just sure. Didn't know where it would where it would go because I didn't have your traditional college background. Right. When I first graduated, I went to Mankato and actually went to cosmetology school. Did that, graduated, and that's kind of how I got back into Martin County as I moved back and worked at a local hair salon. And it was fabulous. Sure. And I think that's where I really found out, like, I like socializing with people and meeting new people. It just wasn't the hair part of it right. for me. Sure. So that I went back to school and got my four year in agriculture business management, and uh, that's when I moved back is when I was able to buy into the family farm and and really start helping with the daily tasks and the um, decisions that went into it.
0: Yeah, that's that's incredibly exciting. What do you, what do you think was that like tick in you that was like you know what I think I want to get back. I mean, get out of the hair and get back into ag. What do you think was that yeah. pusher?
1: It definitely, so it was, I think, two things. It was just seeing people like my other friends really thrive in college and, and find their niche. Yeah, And it's like you leave high school and it's almost like you're given this second chance, like a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. High school is fabulous. It was fun. But you get to basically spread your wings and start over and wherever you want to go. And right. no one knows you. No one knows your background. It's like. I kinda I kinda wanted that and I envied people who were doing that. Yeah. And then I actually had a customer come in to the salon. It was a Saturday morning. And he just sat down. We started talking and I just asked him some questions. And he said he farmed in Martin County with his family. And he couldn't imagine doing anything else. He loved it. And I was like, I don't know, something about that combo just like a spark went off. Yeah. And I went home and was like I think I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. And my parents thought I was crazy. I was like, no, really? Like, I think I'm going to quit and go back to school.
0: That's awesome.
1: And so I did.
0: Yeah. No, it takes a leap, <laughs> right? That's, that's awesome. Uh, so let's see, you, you were back in, you were back in Fairmont. Where'd you go to school then? Where, did you go? Was it online thing or did you go to school somewhere?
1: Yeah. So I went two years to Minnesota West. Um, And while i went there i was able to still work uh at jake's pizza and i was able to help on the family farm um paid off my student debt while i was going to school and then actually did an internship for the place that i work now in martin county at a local farmers co-op in their sales department and then through them i was able to actually go finish my four-year nice so it's not your traditional college path but i feel like so many people focus about what it looks like to the outside world and it's like if it makes sense to you for sure. just do it
0: yeah for sure no I, and i like what you said earlier is like you you kind of reinvent yourself a couple times in life i think and you really like uh oh, maybe i'm not as passionate about this as i thought and oh maybe this is it so that's really cool that you took those those leaps and those jumps and that's really what you know i want people to hear and people to to see and go after uh, what is uh what's it like when you tell people that you're a cattle farmer or you know you're into because i think i mean you know it's a it's a definitely a stereotype and there's not a lot of women in it right and so and it's not like you're just you're just working on the farm or you're a farmer's wife like that's it's your thing and that's what you do and what you know and what you love so what's that like when you cross paths with those people
1: it's gotten better when i first started in my sales role Um, a lot of people, you know, you see this blonde girl show up, she might have her nails painted and I don't think people take you serious. I think they kind of doubt you and your abilities. Um, and now that's kind of why I kept my maiden name. Um, my name is hyphen and it's, I kept that because I was so proud of it and I was proud of the work that my family and I have done. Sure. And I wanted people to know that like, Hey, I am a sixth generation farmer and and I can take it just as serious as my male counterparts. Right Now don't get me wrong. There are things I can't do or struggle with that. I'm so fortunate to have my husband and dad next to me doing this, but it definitely is empowering. I mean, it it can be intimidating too, but it definitely gets better with time and, and seeing other women getting involved in, just even people reaching out and saying like, Hey, I love following you and I love seeing what you're doing. It's yeah. those little things that can totally make a difference.
0: For sure. Uh, little drivers like that. I mean, in anything in life is cool. So you've done it. You've been able to do a lot of things. I'm going to get into that, but um, you know, I've been very fortunate to be where we're from. You know, I live in Scottsdale, Arizona mm-hmm. now, and it's, it's the place to be and it's a totally different world from, from Martin County. Right. But um, I think, I think I wouldn't be that way if it wasn't for my small background in ag and, and working, you know, side by side with, you know, Rick Benson and working for Hugessons for all those years and that stuff. And it really, you know, it taught me how to work hard and I'm proud of all that. What are some of the the biggest things that you like resort back to? I mean, for me and myself, a lot of it goes back, like I go back to things in football. Right. And so, but like, there's gotta be things growing up, little lessons that you learn that just help you push through. What are some of those things for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was in 4-H at age nine, very early. I was in it for 11 years. I had some amazing mentors. You obviously have your parents and grandparents, but I just had these amazing female mentors. And I just thought if they pushed you out of your comfort zone and really saw something in me and it was like, and they said, other people's opinions, don't pay your bills. You can't listen to the negative outside world. And they said sometimes you're gonna have to walk a path alone to just really figure out who you are and that's okay And i feel like that's so true for everyone like sometimes people think they have to have this big wolf pack it's like sometimes it's okay to be on your own path and figure out who you are and the right people will follow
0: a thousand percent
1: people will like respect respect you and just like want to see you do good like want to see you thrive um and my dad was so good to all of us. He always pushed all of us. And he said, you don't get handouts in life. Yeah. Like, if you want them, you got to work for it. And I did. Uh, growing up, I worked two jobs most of the time. I mean, I didn't quit Jake's Pizza until I was a year in full time at my job. <laughs> right. So it's like, oh, okay. You know, I'm 22, like, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I and I'm super proud of that, that I can say what I have i've worked my butt off for yeah um yeah not many it feels like sometimes kids don't have that same leisure the same respect you know like you're just gonna work hard for things and, for sure. and things will things will fall in place like they should and you'll get rewarded
0: yeah i think it's a lost art in society in general but i think it's one of those things mm-hmm. you know That definitely makes me proud to be where we're from and I've said that before on here and there's just you know little moments you know throughout life whether it's you know picking rocks for Bramers all those things you know like they just all add up and it's like man there's there's just no quit, and you know when you have to take care of something else, especially another life, whether it's you know swine or cattle. Like you learn a lot. Like if you don't show up, they die, and that sounds like yeah. pretty <laughs> terrible and pretty to the point. But it's the True. truth. Yeah. So you know it's it it teaches you a lot of lessons, and and it, I think it forces you to grow up at times. And uh, 4-H oh, yeah. stuff. I mean, that's a different world. I know for a lot of people. I'm sure most people that listen to that to this podcast know what that is but uh, a little what's a little bit about your 4-h experience i know that people i mean there's people that were heavy into it love 4-h and i don't think i've heard people talk bad about it so uh what yeah what were those experiences for you
1: yeah so i remember having a couple classmates Paige bramer yeah uh, Lover her to death braden graffy those people that walked beside me in 4-h um shared some of my best memories with them and it's very similar to FFA. Um, I don't have an athletic mode in my body. So 4-H was kind of my thing that I honed in on. And it really is very similar to sports, except you, your parents are your coach and your friends are basically your teammates, but it's an individual sport. Right. It's something that you do on your own and it makes you a humble winner and a humble loser. Mm-hmm. And it definitely forces you to work hard and figure out like hey if you don't put the work in you won't see results and i think that's what i just loved the most about it It was like hey this is my thing and if i do well it's because i worked hard at it and if i don't do well it's because something was lacking right um and it's it's for all kids whether you live in the city you live in the country anyone can be a part of it you just gotta You got to reach out. You just got to be willing to take that step. And I know it's easier said than done, but
0: for sure. And I think uh, living down here, especially in my current work role, I do a lot with high schools and like their welding programs and stuff. Um, And so like uh, in Tucson, uh, they have, there's a school, a high school there that I do a ton with and they don't have any rural kids, but they're up to a hundred kids in their FFA program now. And it's just cause they're That's curious. Awesome. Right. And like to see that and see these kids, like they're, they don't have an ag bone in their body, but they're just <laughs> curious. And there is a little bit of 4-H stuff down here, but FFA has got a huge footprint. And I think it, you know, it is, it's cool to see, I guess people that didn't grow up around it, be excited and curious about yeah. it because, I mean, there's definitely a lot of negative connotation with ag as well. Uh, And that's one thing I wanted to kind of get your perspective on a little bit. I know, I mean, I spent a lot of times my younger self, you know, kind of sending a lot of – of mean tweets towards PETA um, I was actually blocked by Hakeem Phoenix once he was in a PETA video against Christensen farms and I told him that I was glad he died in gladiator and then they blocked me on Twitter so that's a shining achievement for me um, I just I think you know personally I know what I wish that those people could see but for you I'm sure you see it more and more you go to conventions you know different things that are there uh, yeah. we just went to the PBR out here in March and there's a ton of people right out pro testing if you could give yeah. like like a oh you know one minute talk to those people to try to change their perspective what do you think that would sound like
1: honestly food is like food is fuel and however that looks to you it's different to everyone but i'm very open i'm an honest open book and my family is just trying to make a living the same way anyone's family is right ours just happens to be through livestock but wouldn't you rather know that livestock are taken care of by six generations of people i mean we've been doing this since the early mm. 1900s and right each generation only gets better only can do better and and learn from maybe past mistakes if you would but we're no different than than what other people are doing it's just all of a sudden people have become very curious where their food comes from absolutely which is which is great it opens those conversations for sure but we're not trying to do it to harm we're trying to do it for good to make sure that hey i can only say my little piece of puzzle here in west side of martin county what we're doing is right right but i feel good about the work we do each and every day and that i'm helping feed people around the world three times a day
0: right absolutely and it is I mean, when you look at that, obviously, and you're kind of in a different realm, but I know the swine footprint back home is obviously huge, right? And so uh, Mm -hmm. cattle farmers make up a small percentage uh, of of Mm -hmm. back home, but uh, there's just so much, you know, there's just so much bad press. Like I said, I think the one thing that always kind of makes me laugh is when you go places and they say, you know, raised without antibiotics well <laughs> then that's a dead cow that you shouldn't be eating like i mean I, uh-huh. I, I it's just it's just so crazy the things and the that are spewed to people um uh, you know right. and, and i you know i've been big on having difficult conversations you know since i started this but i think it goes both ways right i, I wish those people would you know just take a week um, yeah I mean you can make anything look bad you could you could make dentists mm-hmm. look like terrible people if you were in the right mm-hmm. spot and you had the right camera but I do wish those people could just spend a day with you know a good a good person that's doing it for the right reasons you'll see that there's a lot of care yeah. that goes into you know a family farm all the way to a factory farm right there's a, a whole bunch of care yep. that goes into making sure the world gets fed. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of the world, you did a pretty cool thing. You you went to Ecuador <laughs> for a little bit. Tell, I went uh, to Ecuador. Yeah. So uh, I remember. I think uh, Marissa Gary went to China. Uh, probably five six years ago and i remember hearing some of her stories and uh one thing that really stuck out was you know she she learned you know just working in in the swine units you know you see Mm -hmm. an animal suffering you just euthanize it you know you do the humane thing Mm -hmm. and i remember her sharing that story and how how quickly they freaked out like because they let they try to let everything live over there it's just a different way of of growing and obviously they're their uh, intentions are a little bit different. They're trying to mass produce to feed a billion people. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, tell us a little bit about your, your Ecuador trip. What brought that on? Let's start there. How did you get involved with that?
1: Yeah. So there is a program. Um, I believe it's maybe more of a up upper Midwest. Um, so for Minnesota, it's called MARL Minnesota agriculture, rural leadership program. And they take, you know, 30 people from the state of Minnesota that have some kind of connection to agriculture, whether it's a farmer or through your, where your place of work. And you go through a selection process and it's a two year ordeal. And they basically take you through the state of Minnesota to show you the different parts of agriculture throughout the state and to get you outside your comfort zone and to also prep you as a future leader for the agriculture communities. And of course, for your own community when you get done. And so I was able to go to Washington DC through it. And then it always ends with an international trip at the end of the program. And they announced that our country would, that it was Ecuador. So that was super cool. Went for two whole different worlds. Yeah. Um, they don't have seasons. You know, we have four seasons. They just have rain. Right. <laughs> um, but it's funny because we share some of the same struggles. Weather, markets, the right. government. Um, so, the same struggles were there and they were very intrigued. But it's so humbling when I travel to just go other places and see that while they struggle, they're usually so proud of what they have. Sure. You know, we sit here and we can complain about traffic in Minneapolis or what have you. And a lot of them don't even have vehicles. They're lucky if they have one vehicle per family. Right. And so, like, their roads, their infrastructure, food, um, food is definitely eye opening and it's the number one thing I look for when I go other places and it's like they do not have the same connections we do when it comes to food. No. Their version of a steak, uh, their version of meat and seafood, it's it's crazy. Just even you take the little things for granted, like a bottle of water. Sure. And I think more more people should get out and leave even just the state of Minnesota. And if you're if you're lucky enough and can leave the U.S., I'd highly recommend it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: it's just a humbling experience
0: yeah i think that's been one of my favorite things since being down here is to see how much about arizona i didn't know uh yeah. two seasons grown of maize it all becomes silage right there's huge yeah. cattle lots south of phoenix uh, between here and tucson i mean it's it's a crazy agricultural world and some of the biggest dairies in the world are here and i would have never put my finger on that and then you go to minnesota and it is a it's almost like as the topography changes in the state so does the ag and it's super crazy yep. to see that in just that little area but when you went to ecuador uh what was the trip like based around was it just like for you to learn or were you over there to try to help and teach them some things or was it a mix of both
1: a little mix of both a little of like what we do uh in, as individuals back home for our different farming practices and then we went there uh kind of on a mission to tour as many farms as we could and just see how they're growing and raising different crops and animals and maybe their infrastructures they work with and how we could help them and maybe how we can learn from them as well.
0: Sure. What, uh, what is the crop situation like in Ecuador?
1: Yeah. Most families have like one cow, one pig, one, you know, sheep, a couple sheep. Um, corn isn't really, Impressive. It's it's more like coffee. Roses, roses are a big thing in Ecuador. I mean, any rose you've probably bought in the U.S., um, especially at a Sam's Club, is probably grown and raised in Ecuador and shipped really? to us. Um, their biggest thing are guinea pigs, and the guinea pig is basically like our turkey for Thanksgiving. Um, that's their that's their like specialty meal. It's so you are gonna eat guinea pig. Oh yeah and we went into like a big it was like a big open pig barn with like no sides or anything but big same shape same concept um and then later come find out that our meal for the night was gonna be female six pound guinea pig six pound guinea
0: pig how was
1: it (laughs) it was very similar kind of like a rabbit or pheasant Sure. kind of yeah if you didn't look at it you would probably never guess that that's what you were eating yeah but um those are things that they raise and are big on and um the fruit of course is phenomenal there just right. because of their growing and um that was really good and they export a lot of that bananas plantains um they're a huge exporter of shrimp seafood uh, wouldn't have ever guessed that. Yeah, I kind of think of Ecuador as like a like a flyover state. You know, it yeah. wouldn't be a, the first place on my list I'd go, but uh, definitely. Definitely have high respect for them over
0: there. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And I, th- I mean, I like what you said. I think there's a lot of perspective to be gained. Like you said, just even leaving your small pocket. I mean, so many people back home never, mm-hmm. never move from Martin County, and that's okay. But if you don't, at least go venture and see what's out there. There's, there's a lot to change your perspective on a lot of things throughout <laughs> the country or the world, you know? So uh, that's, that's for awesome. Sure. Uh, what was your time like in Washington, D.C. before you? Went overseas.
1: Yeah, so I had never been to Washington D.C. before this, and it's it, it's horrible because I feel like sometimes based off what we hear, we form these opinions, right? Sure. And so I thought very political, whatever. And I get there, and they're just like you and me, right. but in suits. Yeah, you know, they they've got a job, and agenda too. And uh, we met with a couple of them. Julie Rosen, phenomenal, just a great lady, and. Um, yeah, we, I met with a couple of different people and they're very open to conversation. It's just, that's how they've been groomed. Sure. Fast speed, multiple topics, and they've got a one-sided opinion. Right. So, but at the end of the day, they're, they're all like us and they're trying to fight for what they think is right. Right. So I can't really fault them for that. Once you have a sit down conversation with them, it's, it's easy to based on what we see on TV, you know, and come come November and yeah. we're all voting. But
0: right. uh, Was there anybody that you met with that kind of had a different, uh, different opinion than you That in Washington, D.C.? Maybe that somebody was like really willing to sit down with your group and listen or not really? Were you not surprised? Um, Did a lot of them have R's next to their name when they're on the news or was it just <laughs> was, was there any D's involved?
1: We, we met with a few D's and of course they're they're always interesting. Sure. Um, Amy Klobuchar was very great. I wouldn't have given. I wouldn't have thought she'd be that great to speak with, but she was really great and gave us a lot of her time. Um, Jim Hagedorn, he's obviously passed, but he was really great too. Yeah. Um, he probably, honestly, was the most most disappointing. I was most excited to s- see him and talk with him, yeah. and he definitely came out to be probably the most disappointing, just because it was quick and he had an agenda and really wasn't matching up with these farmers that were from Mankato and Martin right. County.
0: Right. His people.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, I think it's
0: funny that you said, I mean, you're a hundred percent right. And I've kind of made my, my view on politics. You're pretty vocal. I think it's a bunch of bullshit, but I think at the end of the day, mm-hmm. everybody is kind of doing what they think is right i mean whether or not you want to believe it and i mean a lot of that has to grow into where you grew up and what you came from right i mean obviously oh yeah well, i think we would be two very different people if we didn't grow up where we were at right so if we just grew up two yep. hours away in minneapolis we would view the world through a totally different lens and there's nothing you can do yep. about that so <laughs> kudos to you to have some of those conversations uh, so, I also saw that you did some stuff um, with beef. This is the organization. Are you active yeah. with them, or is that I saw you were on the KSTP, is that right? Or Fox 9 or something yeah. up there doing a little cooking lesson?
1: Yeah, Twin Cities Live. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> um, so, I'm on a program through the National Cattlemen's, and they pick 10 people from the U.S. that come from a beef background to help better them as a spokesperson for the beef industry and basically prep them and be able to lean on them for future sources for social media and the media in general. Sure. And basically be a spokesperson.
0: So how? I mean only 10 people nationwide. How did you get selected for Mm -hmm.
1: that? Yeah. Uh, another wild, wild ride that I didn't think I'd get selected for. But again, uh, interview application and, Apparently they liked what they read, yeah. but it's, we all come from very different backgrounds. We have the same goal in mind to just really have more open conversations, even with people who have a different agenda against the beef industry or sure. you're vegans. I have friends that are vegans, no hard feelings at all. Um, it's just having more conversations that I think previous generations avoided or didn't want to have or didn't take the time to care to really hone in on why people are the way they are or why they choose to not eat beef, which is totally fine.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, what's some of the things that you get to do being on that national board? I'm sure I'm sure that your schedule fills up, and I'm sure that there's probably a decent amount of travel involved, or maybe more Zoom yeah. sessions like this. What's the what's the what's the day to day? I mean, because I'm sure that's a mostly a volunteer-based thing as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, kudos to you for giving your time to create something awesome. But what what what's goes into that? What's what what's is there monthly things? Are you guys? I'm sure you're going to the big FFA convention. I'm sure that's something on mm-hmm. your book, but
1: yeah so we meet monthly about half of the meetings it's a year-long program that started in march april uh half of them will be online and then the other half will be in person and we travel to like i went to kansas city a couple weeks ago for our in-person session um denver a couple times because that's where the national cattleman's office is based out of and then i'll go actually in a couple weeks back down to denver for kind of a um egg media summit Nice. Where I'll sit on a panel with a bunch of, bunch of media that can ask any free game questions, and um, yeah, just try to be a, be a resource for them, a positive resource, obviously. Um, anytime you're working with the media, can they oh, can yeah. spin that story however they want.
0: Uh, are you preparing for that? Are you pre- are you I, are you going through potential media questions and how to? I mean, I'm sure that they prepped you. If it's a completely yeah. open media thing, what's that like?
1: Yeah. I feel like you go into those things and you try to prep and like have these fake conversations in your head and how to answer them. And then they totally throw you a curveball. And it's like, Oh, (laughs) those are the questions. Um, We're trying to go in and just really tell our story and be personable and be like, I'm from rural Minnesota. I'm not trying to cause harm. I'm just a piece of the puzzle that helps feed America a healthy, sustainable product. Right. Um, And yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be exciting, and hopefully they don't make it out to be a a negative event.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. I know I can understand how that can be a concern, but hopefully, I mean, if there's open you know dialogue there, and um, yeah. you know that's all you can hope for, right? Is that somebody comes out yeah. positive and seems like you're doing that stuff for the right reason? Um, so, yeah. what do you think? So, Ammon Farms, Ammon Farms mm-hmm. has uh, what? I mean, you said six generations, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. What did it start out as and where are we at today?
1: Yeah. Well, if I could show you a picture of what it looked like when we first began, um, just the equipment alone yeah. has changed. I mean, holy crap, technology, everything. Um, even just in the last, from my dad to me, right. it's like, holy, holy shit. Like, we're really fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, my, the first four generations were actually feedlot. Okay. And then my, my grandpa and dad kind of got together. My dad is actually the one who switched it to cow-calf. So now my dad and I run cow-calf. Um, and feedlot just means that we're going to take an animal from six to 900 pounds and we're going to feed it out and finish it until the end of its life. And it comes full circle. And then it goes to the packing plant and ends yeah. up on your plate as a delicious steak. Yeah. Um, cow-calf means I get to con- totally control genetics and herds and pick who gets bred to what and i we have them out raise them as a baby and we'll sell them at that 600 pound weight and we can kind of decide who we sell those calves to yeah which is fun that we can choose to either go sell it to a big place like sioux falls or we can keep it local and sell to a local feedlot in martin
0: county sure So I think one interesting thing there uh, before I ask more questions, and it's something that I'm sure people are not aware or have any idea how it works. So it's obviously artificial insemination. That's the breeding process. Mm -hmm. And you said you Mm -hmm. get a pick. So what's that like? I mean, do you guys have a couple bulls on hand or do you buy all, I mean, explain that for people Mm -hmm. like they have no idea, you know?
1: Absolutely. So typically, um, we have anywhere from usually two to four bulls that we keep on hand that go with, um, that we split up between our cattle when they go to pasture time from May to October, they're out on fresh green grass grazing. And one bull can usually be with 15 to 20 cows. He can cover in that term. Um, cause cattle are, I know people don't like to be referred to as cattle, but cattle and humans actually are very similar. in like their genetic and their reproductive makeup pregnant for nine months they come into heat every 21 days so i mean all of that is i mean quite similar sure and so we like to play with the genetics because you can pick color you can pick size like if you want it to be um birthing if you're looking for like big muscle um if you're looking to keep Keep calves back for your own herd. I mean, you can literally pick, just like a how I picture a sperm bank for people that want to go and have a baby. I mean, sure. you can literally pick. It's like here's a picture of your of your male bull, and yeah. like, here's everything about him. He yeah. either like him or swipe right. You know, <laughs> yeah.
0: that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and so,
1: we AI like half the herd. Um, yeah, artificial insemination. And we can pick. We'll get straws. A semen sent to us, and they're anywhere from ten bucks a straw, and one straw works on one cow. No guarantee right. that it she sticks. Um, anywhere from ten bucks to I've seen up to hundred and fifty bucks. Really? So yeah, we've never spent that. But
0: <laughs> so, like hundred and fifty bucks, are you breeding like more of a show type animal? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's got to be high end stuff. Ten bucks would just, I mean. I know people probably don't like to hear it, but 10 bucks, you're probably just turning that into beef, right? I mean, that's, that's where that, that, that money goes. But for $150, is that top, I mean, that's top tier bull bloodline. I mean, that's probably some crazy stuff there.
1: Yep. And that's usually like, oh, we're going to make some really nice females that are going to raise big calves. And usually for people, like you said, that are either going to show them or they're going to have their own big cattle sale and want to help other people's
0: herds improved genetically wise Sure. yeah so, uh, how many i mean what goes into that i mean you said you haven't done that but if you guys were to get to that point or decide you mm-hmm. wanted to do that obviously those 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 cows aren't going to straight to a feedlot and that's done, yeah, down no. a totally different <laughs> road um is that yep. something that you've talked about or maybe would like to get into as as you grow the operation and it comes to be more and more on you
1: Absolutely. I loved it. And I know some people hate the show aspect of it, but it's not necessarily about the money. It's just about the rewarding part that those kids are going to get out of showing cattle. And I can't explain it until unless you've you've been in that, but it's so fulfilling showing cattle. And like when you get that judge's slap on your animal, like no matter what animal that judge come and points at you and shakes your hand, it's just like a relief. Like all your work has paid off. And you build a bond with cattle cattle get to know your voice what you look like um they become a furry friend and it, <laughs> it gets hard it gets hard to sell them because every cattle obviously comes full term and and ends up going away right, right. um but i would love to get back into the show piece we usually ai a couple for show and then sell locally we don't have some big show page but we definitely try and play with play with it and see what we can get out and just hopefully find kids that maybe don't have that resource and the access and be like hey we do here's what we can do for you if you'd like to work together and at least get kids involved and keep growing that uh yeah that um the 4-h piece in martin county
0: yeah and that's pretty cool because i think and you can probably touch on it better than anybody can but I know that there are some major players when it comes to show animals and people Mm -hmm. that are listening to this, that are from Scottsdale, they would probably have no idea, right? Like what? But I mean, go ahead and I mean, you explain that to some people, like what some, some show cows go for. I mean, it's great. I know it's big in swine too. And there's people that literally just breed show cows and that's all they're for. And it's big money. Yep.
1: Beef, beef, No matter what state no matter what minnesota no matter what state fair you go to uh cattle will always be your highest dollar they're just obviously a bigger animal and like the biggest um rewarding animal that they they've just made it a big deal at every fair but don't get me wrong sheep pigs like you said some of them go for some crazy dollar amount um to give you an example i when I was first in forage, the first couple of years, everything I showed we had raised, came right from our farm. And then when I got older, 10th grade, and started getting more active um, and competitive and going to shows outside of Minnesota is when we started buying. My last show heifer, Milk Dead was her name. Uh, she cost me $5,000 even. And I remember that because I was like, oh, my God, Dad, like how are we going to do this? You know, right. like that is a chunk of change. Now, most of them are averaging anywhere around that, probably seven to ten thousand. Really, and the minute the champion steer at the Minnesota State Fair, uh, not this year but last year, he paid thirty-five thousand for that Holy animal. Holy smokes! <laughs> so I mean, that's a nice car, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. So people are. You know, they're obviously going to shows and you can win money, but most money that you're going to win from a show is like a thousand bucks. And there's only so many shows you can really do in a summer and drive to. Right. So let's say you do five shows. So you win back 5,000. And then at most state fairs, when you win, you go in an auction, but you pretty much have to raise that money in the auction. Right. And then your animal still goes to kill at the end. Right. Um, so yeah, some people, I mean, don't get me wrong, most people that are showing, more than likely that is their main bread and butter in their hobby. Um, they're not in, a, they're not a three sport athlete, right. but that's what they're, this is what they're focused on. Right. Uh, but I know some that have brought more than that. I mean, I watched a cattle sale last year and w- the lot one, which is usually your, maybe your best animal sold for almost $200,000.
0: That's nuts. That's so nuts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, we're talking big bucks here, guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because real close to me is the Barrett Jackson auction. And that's obviously like the big car show, right? And you'll see cars go for (laughs) millions of dollars. But people that aren't aware to the world, and it's funny because Mm -hmm. I say it all the time, whatever your perspective is, that's your reality. Like you can focus on anything and you have no idea what goes on outside of that. (laughs) But there's essentially a Barrett Jackson auction for cattle. Like where it's yeah. the most high end, I mean, show cows in the world. And that's mm-hmm. I mean, two hundred thousand dollars. And you said it, at the end it goes to kill. Like that's mm-hmm. there is an end game to that animal's life. It's not like the sixty nine Chevrolet that's gonna be there, you know, <laughs> just don't whatever. But
1: that's yeah. a pretty
0: crazy world that I don't think a lot of people even have an ounce of grasping onto. No, and that animal don't
1: get me. Around the animal could get pneumonia. It could it could die in the winter time. I mean, um, most animals only have like one baby at a time. is right. most common. So I mean, you're only getting one baby out of it, and they only have one a year. That's a slow return. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. Do you, is there insurance for show cows? I mean, is that a thing? I mean, you would know that. <laughs>
1: it I, is. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah I would, I mean, have, I like would my hope. My whole herd is insured. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's crazy, and some people take it to very
0: very
2: to heart oh yeah
1: so
0: for sure and i don't mean to be crapping on anybody if anybody i'm sure somebody will uh because you're on this <laughs> but i don't mean to be crapping on anybody that's big into show cattle. i think it's just a wild oh, yeah. wild world but at the same time you know i had some guys on msb wax they, they do sports cards and there are sports cards out there that sell for i mean millions of dollars into other people they're oh, like that's a piece yeah. of paper right so i mean it's whatever you're into and whatever you want to invest in but that's just a yep. wild, wild thing to me. Uh, so you, yep. got, you touched on a little bit, um, you know, about like kind of helping kids out in Martin County or giving back a little bit. Is there anything special that you do now that you're out of that 4-H realm? Are you kind of still actively involved in that? Or, uh, do you, do you do anything in that world to, to, you know, boost up the youth and be that mentor that you once had?
1: Yeah. So I do help with our local Martin County 4-H, um, some small judging and obviously at the auction um, and then just helping kids get a foot in the door, whether it's hooking them up with another farmer, with another species or a species from our own farm. And then I actually am a board member on the Minnesota egg in the classroom um, program. So I help through that mostly helping just get food and agriculture literature and facts into teachers at different schools throughout the state of minnesota just Um,
0: to help hone in on that sure and what's i mean what's that like do you i mean is there certain schools that you're targeting i mean obviously like as an outsider i would assume like we're trying to get that information into the metro area duluth you know rochester you know any major city in our in our home state is that is that kind of what you're targeting there
1: yeah. So they the program itself has like five um, curriculum specialists throughout the state that cover counties and territories. And so they can go do different programs. I've tried getting into different schools, especially in our area, because for those that don't know, Martin County is the number one pork producing county in the state. Right. We're like third in the nation. Yep.
0: insane. I like to tell people Um, that, just so you know. I like to tell people that, don't you?
1: Bacon capital.
0: That's right, bacon (laughs) capital of the world. (laughs)
1: Um, And so it's mind-blowing how many people, though, in the county and surrounding counties really don't know a lot about ag, and it's not their parents' fault or their teachers' fault. It's just no one has the conversations. You, You drive by the corn and the beans and maybe some animals, but it's like, no, this is like a major, even if you're, vegan even if you live in the city agriculture affects everyone like right. the clothes you wear the shoes the tires on your cars um, it's huge yeah and so uh, on the head we try and get into the bigger bigger areas and push push like the board members like myself and go do some fun one-hour activities with certain classrooms of different ages and um, there's definitely like seasonal, Things we can do with the classrooms, and even bringing animals to the schools, sure, um, or funding a bus to bring them out to farms, hands on, and be like, like here are all the different careers, right? That you could do, go in an egg, and you don't have to have an egg background,
0: right? Now I think that's pretty cool because I think exposure sparks interest in anything, right? Like, so it, mm-hmm. it, it just grows a different generation and a and a different outlook at that so i think that that's really really neat um what is uh you know you kind of said something earlier that uh you said you know people there's people in martin county who still don't understand you know the soybeans the corn and it's crazy to think about um you know when we were in high school we're two years apart uh but there was no ffa Mm -hmm. program in Fairmont and now they have one and it's just, I mean, it's crazy. I thought it would be kind of the other way, right? That they're not, they don't have those things now and it was a thing in the past. So I think that it's really cool. Uh, to see it you know even you know down here from my perspective to see those things kind of making a comeback and growing whether it's trades or you know ag departments that kind of stuff it's important stuff to the world and I think it it opens up different perspectives and you never know you know like you know bringing kids out to the farm that kind of stuff you never know what that's going to spark I mean not everybody's going to turn into a farmer but there might be you know something (laughs) a path for them in agriculture just because it it creates an interest and now there's more people like yourself where they've turned the passion into a career which is which is pretty cool so like kudos to you and that organization i think that's really neat Thanks. yeah
1: yeah it's it's crazy because it's still like the conversations and i feel like sometimes it's harder to get through to adults or parents because their minds are maybe already made up 1,000%. kind of actually like their opinions already formed yep. and so it's like let's let's target the kids who are I mean, this sounds bad or like innocent and, yeah. and don't have opinions formed yet. And then that way they can go home and have those conversations around the dinner table, hopefully and be like, here's what I learned today. Right. And it was really freaking cool.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, um, so as we wind down here, I did have a couple of questions for you. So yeah, five years from now, cause I think the world is crazy and I don't, I don't love this question and I don't want, <laughs> where do you think you see yourself in five years? But I think you've seen a lot of another world. So where do you see the world of ag in five years? Because mm-hmm. I know for some people that's a very scary thing to look at. I mean, prices going up. But mm-hmm. as somebody that lives it every day, literally uh, career-wise, passion-wise, hobby-wise, where do you see mm-hmm. that world? And what are some real concerns that that actually like truly worry you?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> My biggest worry is that enough people aren't going to want to take over their family farm or aren't gonna financially be able to afford to just because of taxes and different government rules and and shit is so expensive. Yeah. Equipment is so expensive. And to buy in and um I mean obviously markets will always fluctuate, but that's my biggest worry is that these generation farms are going to disappear and kids aren't going to know how to like start over and be a first generation. They're not gonna know how to have the money to get their foot in the door. And it's like we still have to feed the world. We right. still have to Keep keep it going. How do you do that? And I don't want meat to go to plant based and made in a lab. Like that's not that's not right. No, you know. And that's my biggest worry for the for the meat industry. At least is how do we keep that going? Um, I am optimistic that with all the technology and the data and and the loans and like the grants that the governments are trying to come up with, that it that will help. People just have to have the interest. There has to be something, the light bulb that goes off that makes people want to get involved right. and find their voice and be like, even if I don't have an egg background, like, I think this is cool and something I could get into. And that's what I'm hoping to achieve. But in five years, I hope I'm I, ho- I honestly hope I'm still traveling a lot and going overseas and having some hard conversations and trying to figure out how we can um, blend paths, if you would For and sure. just figure out, like, how can we how can we help one another? Yeah. Whether it's exports, imports, how can we uh, really make a wholesome wholesome difference, which sounds like a huge task because it is, yeah. but it's like we've got to, someone's got to be willing to do it and basically take the bull by the horns.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's it. It's incredible. And I, I, I hope, I hope it does turn out that way. I did read a very interesting, I believe it was like a Boston globe thing. I saw it in a tweet and uh, you know, cause obviously meat's expensive everywhere and
1: they kind of mm-hmm. gave away
0: the Midwest secret. They, they suggested that people start to buy quarters halves or full full cows and pigs. And I just thought, you know, <clears throat> but that's just another thing where it's like, man, the rest of the world doesn't live like that. <clears throat> and you know, <clears throat> to, no my whole life always go to the freezer and there's pork chops or, you know, there's steak or there's roast, whatever. It's just crazy. Huge luxury. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a thing, you know, when you get here and, you know, I, I stock my freezer full, it just isn't a different way, but it's just one of those things. Like not everybody lives like that and you don't realize that. And so one of the, the last questions I have for you is as somebody who's, been fortunate enough to travel the country and put yourself into circles with people all over the country. What's the one thing that you've noticed the most in that group of ag people that maybe is so different or one thing that you've heard that you're like, wow, that's incredibly different than what we do. Mm -hmm. And maybe it changed your perspective on something. Um,
1: Kevin Papp, I don't know if you recognize the name. He was president of Farm Bureau. And he had a saying that sticks, that has always stuck with me since I heard it. It's not what you know, it's not who you know, but it's who knows you. And I feel like the ag community is always looking out for each other and always leaning on one another, like, hey, this person would be good for you. Or like, hey, I don't know that answer, but she would, or he would. Like, they're just some wholesome, big hearted people. And I don't think you'll find another network of people in an industry that works so hard but yet are so humbling and aren't going to go brag about their successes or brag about even their losses. They just buck up right. and put their boots on the next day and keep going at work, no matter what those losses or wins look like in the previous days or years. And I think that's really, honestly, that's really wholesome enough if, if I can be like that and show people that it's it's not naive or it's not in a cocky way that, hey, people in the egg industry really, Really are just wholesome well-rounded
0: people yeah absolutely now i agree I, I mean i think you know some of the best people i've ever met uh Certainly came from that life. Got you know a lot of family that still does it, and it's uh it's not an easy thing, and it's a, a choice people make, and it's uh, uh. But I love to see it, and I love to see your involvement with young people. I think it's a a great way to learn how to work hard. Especially, I think that's the thing I'm most thankful for uh, from my time in ag is that it truly taught me how, how to work hard and and show up every day. Because like I said at the beginning, if you don't show up, something dies. So uh, that's just yeah, a cruel. <laughs> That's the cruel reality of it. But uh, thank you so much for sharing your story yes. with me. Uh, this was fun to catch up for an hour and chat. And um, it's going to be incredible to see what you do. And I think I think that there's more big things coming for you and uh, just stay focused on your path. And I think it's just it's just incredible to see you truly taking your passion and taking it, you know, coast to coast and helping people. And that's a big hats off to you
1: thanks Ben thanks so much I'm truly honored to be here with you guys and um, I can't wait to hear future podcasts
0: yeah thank you so much I appreciate you listening all the time that means a ton I know when I asked you to be on you're like holy crap I listen all the time now I'm going to do it so uh, <laughs> but you know thank you so much for spending an hour with us thank you everybody at home for listening please like comment share subscribe unsubscribe rate five stars do all that fun stuff be good everybody the <laughs> It's only.